Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Open to the Other. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, January 24, 2016. I wasn't going to write about the controversy at Wheaton College in Illinois, but then major media like CNN, Time Magazine, NPR, and The Atlantic all started giving it major coverage. I then also saw how Luke's gospel for this week speaks directly to the matter. On January the 4th, Wheaton notified Larisha Hawkins that it had initiated formal proceedings to terminate her employment. A tenured political science professor in Wheaton's first female black tenured professor, back in December, Hawkins posted a picture of herself on Facebook wearing the hijab and stated her support for Muslims after the terrorist attacks in Paris and San Bernardino. She wrote, I stand in religious solidarity with Muslims because they, like me, a Christian, are people of the book. And as Pope Francis stated, we worship the same God. In Wheaton's conservative evangelical view, Hawkins' statement compromises Trinitarian orthodoxy. According to statements made, quote, her recently expressed views, including that Muslims and Christians worship the same God, appear to be in conflict with the college's statement of faith, end quote. <clears throat> Moreover, Wheaton also says that Hawkins declined to participate in further dialogue about the theological implications of her public statements and her December 17th response to Wheaton's inquiry. Hawkins, who has taught at Wheaton for nine years, disputes both of these points. Last Monday, January 11, on the first day of the new semester, Wheaton faculty and students publicly demonstrated in her support. Important questions have also been raised about whether Wheaton has circumvented its own policies of due process. I'm not surprised at what's happening at Wheaton. Just sad that it's so predictable and so common. There's nothing unusual about an institution protecting its orthodox boundaries. <clears throat> Orthodoxies, or right belief and worship, have their place, especially when compared to believing something that's false or idolatrous. And furthermore, orthodoxies are not limited to conservative evangelicals, to Christianity, or even to religion. There are all sorts of orthodoxies, left, center, and right, whether secular or religious, whether in politics, economics, history, and definitely in science, and whether in private or public institutions. To give just one example from my own backyard, at the famously liberal UC Berkeley, some of my Jewish friends feel silenced by the pro-Palestinian orthodoxy. 
So, woe to the person who questions institutional orthodoxy. Like Jesus did this week in the Gospel from Luke 4. It's fascinating how Luke's story pivots so sharply and so bitterly. At first, when Jesus taught in the local synagogues, says Luke, quote, everyone praised him, end quote. When he commended compassion for the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed, Luke writes, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But when the Jewish hometowners asked for their own miracle, Jesus told two stories about how God blessed two unorthodox Gentiles, a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon, and Naaman, the military commander of enemy Syria. Their response? Luke writes, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Luke is the only Gentile author in the Bible, so he had some skin in this game. Whereas the very first sentence of Matthew calls Jesus the son of David, son of Abraham, Luke's genealogy describes him as the son of Adam. In other words, Jesus is not just the king of the Jews, he's the son of all humanity. For Jesus, the election of the Jews does not mean the exclusion of the Gentiles. Throughout the Gospels, the Jewish Jesus embraced the unclean Gentiles. The Roman centurion, the Canaanite woman and her demon-possessed daughter, and Samaritans like the leper in Luke 17, the woman at the well in John 4, and the good Samaritan of Luke 10. And what about further orthodoxies, like ritual purity? Well, Jesus declared all foods clean. Keeping the Sabbath? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the sacred temple? Jesus called it a house of prayer for all nations. Orthodoxies can lead to a sense of entitlement, privilege, and superiority not to mention power over another person. They can foster communities that are insular, isolated, and exclusive. <clears throat> in 2012, when my wife and I walked the 500-mile way of St. James in Spain, it became clear as we traded notes with other pilgrims that one of the most invigorating aspects of the walk was encountering so many different people with so many different stories. One of our closest friends, Marie Therese from Paris, even lamented with a bit of laughter, we French are so ferme, that is, closed to others. Yehuda Amachai, 1924-2000, Israel's most celebrated poet, whose works have been translated into 40 languages, speaks to these aspects of orthodoxies, 
Listen to his poem. From the place where we are right, flowers will never grow in the spring. The place where we are right is hard and trampled like a yard. But doubts and loves dig up the world like a mole, a plow, and a whisper will be heard in the place where the ruined house once stood. Last week, I read a book by Carla Power called If the Oceans Were Ink, An Unlikely Friendship in a Journey to the Heart of the Quran. It's a memoir about her years studying the Quran with her friend Sheikh Mohammed Akram Nadwi of Oxford. The book was a finalist for the 2015 National Book Award in Nonfiction. Power moves us beyond crude stereotypes and convenient generalizations. Power calls herself a skeptical feminist and, in a delightful phrase, a dutiful little secularist. Her Jewish father and Quaker mother were both non-practicing. She grew up in Tehran, Kabul, Delhi, and Cairo, but admits that her knowledge of Islam was always second-hand. That is, until she studied with Nadwe, a friend of 20 years. The Sunni Sheikh Nadwi defies labels. He was born in India and made his way to Oxford. Fluent in several languages, he's published 25 books. He's also completed a biographical dictionary in 53 volumes that identifies over 8,000 women scholars of Hadith, the collection of traditions about the words and deeds of the Prophet Muhammad. He's complicated enough to disappoint both progressives and traditionalists. When properly read, says Nadwe, the Quran reveals a just and humane faith. And so a major theme of his life work has been a close reading of the original sources to excavate the spiritual essence of the faith. He laments the cultural accretions that have ossified true faith, politics that supplant genuine piety, and ancient customs that have no support in the Quran. For him, Islam, with a small eye, meaning submission or surrender, is more of a verb than a noun that describes institutionalized religion. What matters most is taqwa, God consciousness. We must always respect human conscience, says Nadwe, for there can never be compulsion in true religion. But Nadwe is hardly a liberal. He accepts polygamy and traditional domestic roles for women. After all, he has six daughters. He believes in a literal paradise for believers, and hell for unbelievers, yes, like power. He, he's opposed to homosexuality. In his view, veiling is fine, despite all sorts of cultural complexities and nuances. At times, Power's narrative borders on hagiography. She's captivated by Nadwe's combination of erudition piety, and kindness. But in the end, she admits that theirs was a one-way conversation rather than a dialogue. 
She writes, I wanted him to take a step toward my worldview as I had done toward his. But that was never going to happen. Nonetheless, I was challenged by Cower's intentional openness to a genuine other. It's a spirituality that we can all practice, each in our own way and in our own little world. On the last page of her book, she writes, If understanding difference is among my own key values, it is also a Quranic one. Only through diversity, says the Quran in chapter 49, 13, can you truly learn the shape and heft of your own humanity. In 49.13 we read, O humankind, we created you from a male and female, and we made you races and tribes for you to get to know each other. So, what about orthodoxy? And who is my own other? I've always liked how the Yale theologian Hans Frey put it. He once said, Generosity without orthodoxy is nothing. But orthodoxy without generosity is worse than nothing. Which is to say, orthopraxis, or right living, is just as important as orthodoxy, right believing. For books this week, I review a new book by Pope Francis. It has a Latin title, Laudato Si, and the subtitle, On Care for Our Common Home. Huntington, Indiana, the publisher our Sunday Visitor Publishing Division, 2015, 176 pages. This second encyclical by Pope Francis takes its title from the Canticle of the Creatures by his namesake, Francis of Assisi, who wrote, Laudato si, mi signor. Praise to you, my lord, through our sister, Mother Earth, who sustains and governs us, and who produces various fruit with colored flowers and herbs. <clears throat> Today our sister now cries out to us, because of the violence we have done to her, in our irresponsible use and abuse of the goods with which God has endowed her. By now the list is long and well known climate change, depletion of non-renewable resources, the loss of biodiversity, and a growing gap between the minority rich who are addicted to compulsive consumerism and the poor who can't possibly consume like we do, even if it were possible. Our current situation cannot be universalized or sustained. We've succumbed to what Francis calls the modern myth of unlimited material progress, to the alluring power of the technocratic paradigm, the numbing of conscience, and an economic model that maximizes profits 
without any greater end in view. But we now know, or we ought to know, that technological progress and economic growth don't guarantee human welfare. What we need most is a change in our own selves. That begins, says Pope Francis, with realizing that humanity is one people living in a common home. It cannot be emphasized enough, he says, how everything is interconnected. We can no longer make choices or policies that defend the interests of only a few countries, or even the few within a single country. We need to strengthen the conviction, he says, that we are one single human family. The earth is our collective good. Indeed, he writes, this sense of fraternity excludes nothing and no one. Pope Francis addresses his encyclical to all people of goodwill, but he has special counsel for Christians. What we need is what he calls an ecological conversion, whereby, quote, the effects of our encounter with Jesus Christ become evident in our relationship with the world around us. Living our vocation to be protectors of God's handiwork is essential to a life of virtue. And then most notably, he writes, it is not an optional or a secondary aspect of our Christian experience. Pope Francis, his second encyclical, Laudato Si, on care for our common home. For movies this week, we go to the country <coughs> of the Dominican Republic. In a movie called Sand Dollars from 2014, 20-something-year-old Noelle, a life Dominican, just wants to get off the island. She's a master manipulator. At least three times in this film, she hits up people for money. Anne, a matriarchal French woman on the island, is getting older in body and mind. She's palpably needy. When a fellow expat asks her, where do you want to go? She's silent. It's not exactly clear that Noelle and Anne fall into true love. For Noelle has a local boyfriend named Jeremy, by whom she gets pregnant and with whom she has a plan regarding Anne namely, to get, off, to get a passport off the island and then to send money back to him. Only in the last few minutes of the film do we learn whether Noelle will stay with Jeremy or leave with Anne. Sand Dollars premiered at the 2014 Toronto Film Festival and was the Dominican Republic's selection for the 2016 Academy Awards for best foreign film. This movie is in Spanish with English subtitles. I watched this film on Amazon streaming video. Once again, the title of the film, Sand Dollars, from the Dominican Republic. And finally this week, 
In honor and in celebration of Martin Luther King Day, we posted a poem, the famous I Have a Dream poem speech by Martin Luther King Jr., who lived from 1929 to 1968. It was delivered on August the 28th, 1963. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair, I say to you today, my friends. And so, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will, will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day, down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips drip with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. <clears throat> I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Martin Luther King Jr., I Have a Dream. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, January 24th, 2016. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.